if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Franz. Yes, indeed. Always right. All the time. Never left and not wrong. That's what we do each and every day on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 15th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2022, and the second morning in which we will have three hours together. Taking you until noon, or actually just shy of noon, as we give Bill O'Reilly a little bit of time at the end of our third hour. But that's okay. Uh, so good to have you. We're going to take advantage of that coming up at um, uh, eleven ten. It's going to get be a little bit of getting used to there. Uh, trying to say what we've got booked and scheduled for in that hour at eleven ten. David Camiona from Life Zet News is going to be joining us. Going to talk about why it is. Um, Joe Biden continues to sell out Americans with respect to our energy, with respect to the inflation at the gas pumps, the inflation, quite frankly, at every other area of our commercial lives. Inflated prices because of his policies. Why will he not drill to offset the uh, new imbalance in the global oil market? Why will he not maximize American energy production? For oil, for natural gas, for coal, why, why, why are fossil fuels continuing to take it on the chin from this lunatic, even as the American people pay the price for that? So David Camiona will join us. That will be after. See, normally we close our show with almost an hour of Kersenau. Kersenau will now just be in the middle of the program. Pete will join us at 1010, as he always does, and we'll take him uh, until almost 11 o'clock. David Camiona then. So first hour guest-free, plenty of opportunities for you to dial us at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Do not forget, you don't have to leave your mess or excuse me, you don't have to call me live on the air for me to get your message because you can give me your message by way of my website, which I'm very proud of and it is a brand new launched it a couple of days ago and one of my favorite features on it is the sound off button in which you can click sound off, put your name and your email in, click record and then record your message to me. Once you push send, it comes right to my screen, and I will play it on the radio. And I've got one already sitting sitting in there that I'm going to play in this first half hour from overnight. Uh, so that's coming up. So I want to hear from you in one way or the other, live on the phones or by way of the sound off button on alwaysright.us. Remember, it's not .com. It's alwaysright.us. Just think about it. There's a reason why I chose US and not .com. 
because that is exactly what we are all about. America first, always, all the time. Always right. Dot U.S. So Kirsten Au and Camiona are coming up, and I'm going to start this morning after we do our pledge with um, one of the most astounding things that you've ever heard coming from a presidential administration in the middle of a crisis. But let's start, though, with that pledge. As we do each and every day, I will ask you as a patriot to rise. And by the way, regarding the flags, um, on the website, I told you I'd put a gallery together, still collecting them. I've got them in so many different places. People have Facebook messaged them to me. They have sent them to me on Getter, my Getter social media account. And now I'm asking you to email them to me. Email those uh, flag pictures that you are using to salute and do our pledge each and every day uh, to uh, alwayswrite1420 at yahoo.com. Alwayswrite1420 at yahoo.com. You can also send it to me as a direct message on my Always Write Facebook page. So I've got Facebook now, not only my private account, but my Always Write radio page. So follow me on Facebook at Always Write. And you will see it for yourself. You can send me a direct message and put those pictures up, and I will get them added to the gallery at alwayswrite.us. Now, having said all of that, stand and face that flag that you use. And uh, if you don't have one, that's okay, but put your, on your, put your hand on your heart and join us. If you are a Brandon voter and you are with the Green New Deal and in favor of destroying the American economy and all of the middle-class uh, people that you know, destroying their family budgets, their savings, by pushing this Green New Deal and destroying fossil fuels and the industry that they represent, then you go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback because you do not believe in what we're about to say anyway. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. For yeah, I mean, it's it's really quite astounding when you listen to uh, to President Brandon and and the stuff that continues to come out of his mouth with with uh, with respect to not taking any responsibility or accountability for that which he is responsible. Joe Biden yesterday gave a little speech uh, in Washington, uh, talking to the National League of Cities Congressional City Conference. And in that speech, Joe Biden again tried to blame the $2.25 gas price hike that we have seen since he took office, and that was 14 months ago, on Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, which was just a few weeks ago. Breitbart reporting on it. Uh, now this, in fact, I could even play this part for you. You know, he said the first part of the reason for the gas price increases is COVID. COVID made that happen. You see, COVID. It's it's COVID's fault. It's COVID, and it's COVID, and and, and you didn't get vaccinated, and it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and COVID caused the gas prices to rise. COVID, he said. By the way, wasn't COVID raging for almost the duration of twenty twenty? Remember? Remember it was March of 2020 when we had two weeks to flatten the curve? March is when the whole thing started. We had COVID, lockdowns and shutdowns, and businesses closed, and so on and so forth, for the rest of 2020. Trump was president then. Yet somehow, gas prices stayed at around or under $2 a gallon. Let's figure that out. Joe, 
if if COVID is part reason number one, excuse number one for the higher gas prices, and that's exactly what he said yesterday in D.C., and Putin is number two, how come when Trump was president through COVID, especially the worst of COVID, how come the gas prices didn't spike then? They started spiking on January 20th, 2021, when you took over. And they went from around two bucks a gallon, and I've gone through this before, to around two and a quarter a gallon in, in uh, early spring, to around 250, 260, 270 a gallon by the summer of last year, to pushing up near three bucks a gallon as we got to Christmas time, to pushing up over three bucks a gallon to three and a quarter, 340, 350 uh, uh, in the early part of this year. And then, yes. Yes, after Putin went into Ukraine, further destabilizing the world oil market. Yes, then it did spike another 50 to 75 cents, and it's still spiking. You can blame Putin for a small part of that, but you need to blame yourself for the vast majority of that, and he refuses to do so. It's all about Vladimir Putin. Putin's responsibility. The second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, the price of gasoline in January went up 75. No, you 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 can finish your thought there if you want. It went up. It went up how high? Way. It had been two percent finished. Oh, we missed it. Give me a break. The rescue plan contributed to zero point three percent of inflation. Yeah, and uh, printing a limitless supply of money and spending money like you are a drunken sailor home at a whorehouse, that contributed to inflation. Massive, massive amounts of inflation. But he blames it on uh, the gas prices on COVID and then on Putin. You know, you almost think what he's really trying to say is Vladimir Putin was a bad dude. <laughs> That's his corn pop of the day. He's got yeah, he got to deal with what what Vladimir Putin is doing to him. As a matter of fact, he's really, really tired of you blaming him for all of this. He's really, really thinking this. He's getting a bad rap. I'm sick of this stuff. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. <laughs> you know what's funny is how he says that with conviction. That government spending more money and printing more money because we don't have anything to back that money. So printing worthless paper money uh, doesn't cause inflation, he said. It's simply not true. It's more than that because we played this for you yesterday. Fancy Nancy told you not only does does spending more money and like the million and a half, or excuse me, trillion and a half dollars in the recently passed omnibus spending bill. Nancy Pelosi says not only is it not inflationary, it actually helps cut the national debt. Spending like a drunken sailor is is cutting the national debt. So when we're having this discussion, it's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. It is not inflationary. The government spending is reducing the national debt. Hold on. I'm going to do this in real time. I kind of mentioned yesterday that I had done it. 
But I'm going to do it right now. National Debt Clock. Let me pop this up here on the laptop in front of me. There it is, real time. National Debt Clock, currently at thirty trillion three hundred nineteen billion forty three million three hundred twenty five six seven eight nine thousand four. I can't even. It's speed speeding by so quickly. So larger picture, it's thirty trillion three nineteen zero four. My point is, it's continuing to increase. I see no decrease on the national debt because we're spending money like uh, I described. Because like the Democrats, like the Brandon administration, the Democrat-controlled Congress are doing, I I see no retreat in the debt clock. If you want to look at that, by the way, you can see it. It's usdebtclock.org. I should probably put this on my webpage and leave it up there running for everyone to see. In fact, I'll make a point of that. If I can, i got to talk to my web guy. But, uh, yeah, that usdebtclock.org, you can see it. It's not decreasing, fancy. It is increasing. And you know what? We're sick of this, too. We're sick of what you and Brandon and the rest of them are doing to this country. And moreover, we're sick of what you're doing with respect to um, our uh, insulting our intelligence. Joe Brandon thinks he can stand before a crowd in Washington, D.C. yesterday and tell us that the massive gas spike that we have seen is Vladimir Putin's fault. Boot one from a Russian soldier did not hit the ground until just over three weeks ago. Boot one just hit the ground in Ukraine about three weeks ago. The gas price spike we have all been suffering through for the last 14 months was a direct result of Joe Brandon's policies. As a matter of fact, uh, there, there have been several uh, reports on this, and they've literally charted month by month the price increase, the average national average gas price increase, and I could probably pull it all together for you. Matter of fact, I might do that. I might take our time out here because I've got a grid that uh, someone sent me with the specifics on what it was going back all the way to Inauguration Day and through today. And I could probably share that with you and be more specific on exactly how many uh, more dollars we were forced to spend on gas each and every month since Biden took over and long before Vladimir Putin ever said we're going into Ukraine. That, In fact, that's what I will do. Inflation, gas prices... Energy costs in general and everything else you own have gone up, and he wants you to believe that it's all Vladimir Putin was a bad dude. I'm sick of this stuff. Yeah, we are too. In a different way, though, because we're sick of what you're doing to us. 216 901 0945 888 and don't forget, alwayswrite.us. Sound off there and send me your voice message. I'll play it on the radio and I'll respond to it right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Always right with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 923. Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll get you up and on the radio. Don't forget to uh, leave a message for me at alwayswrite.us. This one came in overnight, which I thought you might appreciate. Didn't we say that we would no longer um, watch these atrocities happen? War crimes are war crimes. We would never see a Holocaust like that. We would never see a Rwanda again. Everyone in political power that is watching this genocide happen 
in the Ukraine. Putin, who's doing it, NATO leaders who are watching it, the United States president, we should threaten them with being participating and co-conspirators in a war crime. Maybe they'll get off of their derriere and do something. You know, I... um I talked about what that, that was Tanya in Akron who left that message overnight. Again, that's the beauty of alwayswrite.us. You don't have to wait for the show to start. And if you're not listening to it live because you listen to it on, uh, on podcast form, um, you can always participate in the show just like she did there. She was listening to it last night and sent it to me, uh, yesterday. So I talked about this, uh, a little bit before when Lindsey Graham talked about having somebody in Russia, or not having, but asking, Hey, isn't there um, a Brutus in Russia? Isn't there a Brutus who can take, you know, the the mighty tyrant out and do the world a favor? And that, of course, is a reference to Julius Caesar and uh, uh, the entirety of the Senate, or at least about fifteen of them, uh, conspiring to stab Julius Caesar to death because of the tyrant his uh, tyranny. And uh, so, you know, Lindsey Graham said that, and he was instantly attacked by all sides. Uh, you know, I mean, literally, both Republican and Democrat sides, you can't advocate for the assassination of a world leader. And I thought to myself, why not? We we advocated for the assassination and taking out Saddam Hussein. He's a world leader. We advocated and, 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 uh, and called for the assassination, or at least, the very least, the removal and the trial of people like Muammar Gaddafi. We advocated for, you know, the overthrow of people like Castro, even though we didn't go in there and do it. I mean, why? And the point that I made at that time was, if, and, and we'd go into the into the glasses, you know, in the, in the hindsight being 2020 vision, you know, we get into that, we get into that side of things here, where we know what happened with the Holocaust. We didn't know how it was going to be or how bad it was going to be when the opportunity after Hitler first made his first invasion of a foreign country and took it over, um, you know, the world would have been changed had we taken him out at that time. Hindsight says we look back and say, you obviously we should have done it, and we don't have hindsight in this case, but maybe is it really the right thing to do to wait and find out? Wait until it's hindsight? When Hitler invaded Czechoslovakia first and then Poland in 1939, if somebody within his inner circle or somebody who could get close enough to him had taken him out, the whole world would have changed. World War II could have and would have been avoided. That would have been done from inside Germany. And six million people wouldn't have been murdered. And Lord knows how many others tortured in the concentration camps. Well, here comes Vladimir Putin, and I'm not saying he's going to do the exact equivalent of Hitler, but I'm trying to say, which you obviously know, he's an extraordinarily dangerous human being who doesn't mind killing innocent civilians. He's doing it now with this invasion in Ukraine and specifically targeting civilian areas. And it is widely believed that this former KGB colonel wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union and wreak even more havoc and death on more from his empire. So, is it such a terrible thing to say, maybe we need to do to Putin what, what we wish somebody had done to, and I say we, now again, not we, because that's a, that's a totally different thing. 
Calling for like an American or a NATO assassination of Putin is not what I'm doing. I'm saying that what Lindsey Graham talked about was somebody within, inside Russia, if somebody did that and did the world a favor, it can change the calculus um, of all of this, the way that we view and the way we analyze and the way that we project all of this to go. And if we knew that he was going to be, you know, and I, why am I going back all of this? What Tanya's call was is, didn't we say after the Holocaust, never again? Isn't that the, the isn't that the phrase? Isn't that the the term? Two words: never again. Never again will we allow somebody to do to a group of people what Hitler was allowed to do uh, in in you know 1939 and through 1945. What quite obviously, but yet here we are, not stepping up. And again, I'm not calling for stepping up militarily with a war against Ukraine or against Russia uh, uh, by way of Ukraine. I'm not calling for that at all. But I think Tanya, what Tanya is saying is we said never again. What are, what is our going to be our role in stopping this, this slaughter and stopping this expansion of the Russian empire, if you will, if that's what the goal is, is to rebuild the Soviet Union. And by the way, as long as we're on the subject here before the bottom of the hour, you know, we can't say that we believe in never again when it comes to genocide and then sit here and do nothing while China commits the same Hitler-like genocide. The Uyghur Muslim population, millions of them, are being executed. They're being held in concentration camps. They're being worked with slave labor, or they're being outright executed. Almost exactly what Hitler did to the Jews is being done to the Uyghurs in China. And what do we do? What does Joe Brandon do? Absolutely nothing. We said never again, and yet here we are watching it happen again. So those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Those are the questions that we need to answer. And I invite you to do so at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 or leave me a message, as Tanya did there, on the alwayswrite.us. Not .com, but alwayswrite.us page. Click on Sound Off and let me hear you right here on AM 1420, The Answer. turns to the left turn to the right always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer all right a couple more thoughts 936 thanks for being with us a couple more thoughts on uh the inflation issue and what biden is doing or not doing and um what you need to know as biden blames putin and covid for record high inflation in the united states this story breaks. New drilling permits granted by the federal government in the middle of this crisis, this energy crisis, this cutting off of Russian oil and so forth. New drilling permits have plummeted not 10%, not 20%, not even 50%. New drilling permits have declined or decreased 85%. Despite pressure on President Brandon to do something about energy and to increase oil production. 85% the Biden administration, they've slowed the approval of new oil and natural gas drilling leases by 85%. 
The number of approvals in recent months has been less than half of what they were at around their peak the first time President, uh, 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 President Brandon took office, going from as many as 643 in April of 2021 to as few as 95 this past January, two, two months ago. This according to BLM, Bureau of Land Management st- uh, Statistics. That's an 85% reduction. How can he justify the price that we're paying at the pump, the average National average for a gallon of gas as of yesterday was four thirty three, according to AAA. Four thirty three. That's twenty six cents over a week ago, eighty four cents over what it was a month ago, and again about two dollars and thirty three cents over what it was when Donald Trump left office, even in the midst of COVID. So you think about that for just a moment, and then you think about this: Will the American people? Remember that when it comes time to vote. Because the second story that I wanted to share with you here is about inflation and where it's hitting the worst. Is it hitting the worst in your back backyard? It's hitting the worst, actually, in the battleground states. Now, whether that's co- coincidental or not, I don't know. But I'm just telling you, there's an Axios report here that is charting the rate of inflation in some of the most important states when it comes to, obviously, selecting a president, but also, of course, extraordinarily important in getting the right number of uh, members of Congress from the Republican Party uh, in these midterm elections. Will the people remember, come November, who's responsible for and whose party is responsible for uh, this extraordinary increase in, in energy costs? And here's what we have, the details according to Axios. The percentage increase in the consumer price index from February of 2020, just before the quote-unquote pandemic, some might argue planned-demic, to last month, the latest data which is available, the difference was then compared to the national average. And here's what they have. The CPIs, that's computer price index, CPIs U.S. city average in February 2020 was 257.97. In February of 2022, last month, it was 28, or excuse me, 281 rather, 0.15, a growth of 8.2%. But that national average of 8.2% is low compared to what it is in the battleground states like Florida, Georgia, and Arizona. In the Atlanta area of Georgia, inflation, the inflation average is at 11.7%. That's 3.5% higher than the national average. In Florida, Tampa, and Miami area, differences 11.8% and 10.2% respectively. In the urban areas of Arizona, the difference 10.7%. In the West Coast cities, according, including the uh, Nevada battleground of Las Vegas, the difference is 8.4%, just a little bit higher than the national average. So what does all of that mean? The higher rates in the battleground area stem from the fact that they possess characteristics correlating with high inflation. They include factors such as an influx of residents and lots of college-educated adults, higher salary earners, tending to bid up rents, and many other factors. But the point is that these are battleground state and city voters, and they're going to recognize that their, their dollars are not going as far. They're getting hit very, very hard by these price increases, not just in gas, but at everything, in everything that you will find on your store shelves, no matter the store, no matter the industry, no matter what you're a consumer of, whatever you consume. 
The prices are going to be up on all of them, and they're going to remember that and realize that this wasn't the case when the Republicans were in charge. It is the case now that Barack, or Barack Obama, uh, Joe Biden, who learned, of course, under Barack Obama, Obama uh, that th- these are his policies that are leading to this. Now, let me give you a little bit more of an example before I go to any phone calls. 216-901-0945, Let me give you this example. Because I've talked about it just in passing before, but not with specifics, not with numbers. So I want to give you a couple of numbers here. While you're paying a record $4.33 a gallon on the national average uh, for your gasoline, it's worth the time to explore everything that crude oil, which is, of course, the uh, primary ingredient in, ingredient in gasoline, everything else that crude oil is used for. Because everything it is used for is going to cost you more, including the fuel you put in your tank. About 60% of global oil consumption is in the form of fuel. But what about that other 40%? That's a significant amount. That other 40% of global oil consumption comes in a wide, a staggering wide array of products and household goods, which you probably didn't know there, you know, that they had connections to oil. But there are over 6,000 things that petrochemicals, that means oil derivative products, are used in the United States. Over 6,000 of them. Things like toothpaste, trash bags, plastics, food preservers, medicines. All of those things use petrochemicals, which again are derived from oil. And all of those prices are already steeper because of the uh, supply chain issues. So when you talk about where we're headed as consumers, when you talk about how far your dollars are going to stretch for you, what that bill is going to be when you take a full cart of groceries to the checkout line, what that bill is going to be today versus what it was a month ago, six months ago, a year ago, how about six months from now? Because all of the things in it are impacted by the price of delivery, shipping, and by the dramatic uh, instability of the world oil market because the petrochemicals that all of those products are, that are needed for all of those products to be, to be uh, manufactured uh, are going to be very, very hard to come by. So there's a ripple effect of higher oil prices. Now, what does that mean? Give me a real number, Bob. Don't just tell me it's going to be bad. This is the point. According to the experts at the Heritage Foundation, which have crunched all of these numbers, if you look at the effect of higher oil prices, the trading amount per barrel, uh, and then, of course, what it comes down to in your gasoline prices and all of the other products that I just described, the estimate is that the average American family is going to end up paying about $3,000. That's at the current standard. That doesn't take into account further escalation in Ukraine and um, whether or not China decides to do something with or to Taiwan. What we are talking about, excuse me, what we are talking about is just the way things stand right now with oil at its current price per barrel. The average American family is going to lose about $3,000 this year. $3,000. Now, Joe Brandon wants you to believe, and he said this because he's back stumping for the Green New Deal now. He gave up on Build Back Better because it's Build Back Crapper. 
He's now back on the Green New Deal, being pushed there by his gangrene uh, puppet masters. And he is saying that, remember, no one under uh, or uh, yeah, under $400,000 a year in income is going to pay a nickel of new taxes. No one's going to pay higher taxes. Well, except for the fact that his policies leading to the inflation that they have means we are all getting a massive tax hike in the way of inflation to the point of that 8.2% national average, to that point of record 40-year high costs. And yes, now that we're talking about petrochemicals affecting the price of manufacturing of all of those household goods, 6,000 products that we use, that's before we put drop one of liquid gold into our gas tanks, we're going to be shelling out around $3,000 a family more. And if you just do the 3000 divided by 12 months, what are we talking about here? We're talking about 250 bucks a month or so. You tell me, can you absorb a $250 hit? You know, spread it out over four, a few different things? It's going to all come out of one pot? Right, what are you going to do? Where, where's your $250 going to go? And the answer is, you know, you're not going to write a check for $250 out of something. But the, the collective amount is going to be that impact of around $3,000 per family. That's an average. Some, maybe a lot more. Some, maybe a little bit less. But that is a price hike, or uh, excuse me, a tax hike. That is a complete and total tax increase that the left is trying to tell you, that the Brandon administration is trying to tell you is not happening. All right, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Let me get Charlie and Westlake up and on the air before the break uh, and before cursing out at the top of the hour. Charlie, go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Good job. Um, I want to say you did a great job as the MC at the uh, the life conference. I'm hoping that's the last one. Could be the last life conference. We don't know. But what I'm thinking, I'm watching TV and I'm watching every enemy that we have is sharpening their knives. Uh, Iran, Korea, North Korea, um, the communist Chinese going in Taiwan. We we they they've measured Biden's weakness. They know he's the weakest. And this is their chance, and we should brace for bad stuff coming. I'm not, I'm not a fortune teller, but I think they're going to all try stuff within the next year. Well, Iran, and thanks, Charlie, for the call. Iran, um, Iran, I hate when people say Iran. Uh, it's not correct. It's Iran, and I do that sometimes, too. But anyway, Iran uh, launched a missile that landed precariously close to the American consulate in Iraq. And if you don't think that's a test, taking the measure of a man to see if there's going to be a response, particularly as they're uh, um, in the middle of negotiating a new JCPOA, a new Iran nuclear agreement, in which um, the Russians are negotiating this for the Iranians because they're allies. You know, and and they're, they're, as the old adage goes, the Russians don't necessarily have a whole lot to do with the Iranians, but the friend, of the enemy, excuse me. Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, is the mantra here. And they are working very, very hard to create and support another enemy of the United States and the enemy of Israel as well. So all of those things, yeah, they are they are all kind of in the soup right now. To your larger point about some, you know other countries, do we think China's going to test us by doing something with Taiwan? Probably so. Do we think North Korea is going to get back in the game because they've been awfully quiet for the last four years, or at least the four years of the Trump administration, and they've been quiet so far in the start of the uh, Brandon administration? Are they going to get back in the game? 
Uh, and then obviously, as we just were talking about with Iran. So, yeah, I feel you. I understand you. And I agree with you. Uh, all of those things, if they all wanted to at the, at the same time bubble over, it's going to really pull or dilute rather our resources and force us to decide what we're going to fight against, what we're going to sanction, and whether or not we can stop it, particularly without the loss of American blood. And by the way, you know, the sanction part of this is something we have to be realistic about. They, they oftentimes don't mean squat. They do nothing. That was the point that many people made whenever, you know, the, the Brandon administration's response to the impending invasion by Russia of Ukraine. So we are your standby, or we stand ready with the strongest sanctions in the history of the world. These sanctions are going to be, be enough to stop Vladimir Putin. Well, Peppermint Patty yesterday, Madam Circleback herself said, well, no, we never really thought that. Prior to February 24, the president, uh, our NATO allies, and the EU were embarked on a deterrence project. That's exactly the word that you and other senior U.S. officials used at the time. Quite clearly, the invasion was launched on the 24th of February, and so we can say as a factual matter that that deterrence project failed. Is it the view of the White House that Mr. Putin could not be deterred by any set of steps? Or are you willing to concede that perhaps some other set of steps by the president and our allies might have deterred the invasion? Uh, You know, James, I would say that when we put in place the threat of sanctions and the threat of consequences, uh, we never thought that that would be uh, fail-proof or that would be 100% effective. But that's not what you said! These are the strongest sanctions ever. This will do the trick. It's intended to deter. And you, Madam Circleback, your boss, and the bumbling, babbling buffoon that is the vice president need to get your messaging straight because the vice president literally contradicted the president. And then you came out and had to clean up the mess. When she said that we absolutely think that the uh, the sanctions can be a deterrent to stop it. She said it at the same time she was saying, oh, and uh, we know that he is determined to go in. He's definitely going to invade. But yet our sanctions are designed to deter him from invading. You guys can't get your story straight. And that's because I think we're dealing with, and, and I don't think Jen Psaki's dumb, by the way. I think Madam Circleback is not a dumb person. She's got an impossible job up there trying to clean up the messes of, I think, two people who are interminably stupid. And I think, and, and maybe it's because of his age, a little bit more so, but, but I think Joe Biden is completely cognitively out of it, and I think Kamala Harris has never been with it. She's just as about as, as daft as, um, as they come, particularly in positions of, of power and authority like hers. Between the three of them, though, between... Cognitive decline, um, unimaginable stupidity, and then the, the impossible job of Jen Psaki to try to coordinate all of that messaging, they're just, that's why they're lost. Bottom line is, uh, you know, Joe, Joe likes to simplify things, though. Vladimir Putin was a bad dude. I'm sick of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you, Joe. More calls coming up right after this. Nine fifty-five now. Cursing now coming up at ten uh, ten. David Camioner next hour after that at eleven ten. As we get into our third hour, brand new 
three-hour show that we just started uh, yesterday. So uh, make sure you are with us through, through for the duration. Don't think we're done at ten o'clock or at eleven o'clock, rather, because we are not. We're going to take you until just before noon when we give it to Bill O'Reilly. Uh, let's go to Jeff now in Cleveland. Jeff, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hi, good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. What's on your mind, pal? Good. I just want to say uh, we need to do a better job as conservatives just letting in, uh, low-information voters and those who are left-leaning understand what the Democratic Party is standing for uh, because none of these, every policy that they vote for is basically against them. Um, they're the inflation, you know, stacking the Supreme Court, allowing illegal citizens to vote, abolishing the Electoral College. I mean, just defunding the police, open borders, you know, um, this this assault that Joe Biden had on uh, drilling oil here and um, our, our being number one in the production of oil. Yeah. I mean, every policy that they have has been detrimental to the voters. So. We just need to do a better job of informing those who are well, in the middle. What, what you're talking about, though, and you're right, by the way, Jeff. I'm just saying the challenge with what you're talking about, though, is we don't control the flow of information the way the left does because they still have the networks. They still have the mainstream largest newspapers. They still have uh, 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 control of the online world. They control the platforms by which people share information like you're talking about. If you start saying things they don't like, uh, telling the truth about these things to voters, trying to open the eyes of the people in the middle, as you say, boom, uh, you're shadow banned or you're flat out banned or you're run and put into Facebook jail or, or Twitter, uh, right. or, you know, locks you up too. So that's the problem. You're right. I mean, I, I, I think Jim Jordan talked about it yesterday and, 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 and you are talking talking about it now and i've talked about it regularly it's hard in 14 months to look at one thing and say this element of american life is better because joe biden i i haven't found any yet but i can easily point to all of these aspects of our lives you hit on some of them that are worse because and and since joe biden took office that ought to make it very easy for the next round of voters to look and say we can't do that again we can't elect people with that mindset again because there's no good and there's a ton of bad but getting that message out there to them uh you know and and cracking the bubble in which they live that's the real challenge that we still have before us jeff absolutely so just let's just stay in the fight i'm just encouraging you just to keep up the good work and uh well i just have to do our part well, you're right, Thanks, and you just did it. You just did it. Thanks for the call. You did your part, and uh, and and you're right. I mean, it comes down to that at the end of the day is we do have to kind of stay in the fight. We can't allow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost did this. I don't know if I have time for this now before the top of the hour. <laughs> but this is what they do. This is what they do when we say things and try to share things the way Jeff was just talking about with other people about the real conditions of this country and the policies of the people that made it happen. You say those things, and you get locked up here. <laughs> Fact checks keep a coming. Looks like I'm banned again. Ain't been allowed on Twitter since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Facebook prison. My profile page is gone. And I'm not rightly knowing just what I done wrong. Oh, selfies with my puppies, corny memes and puns. I've tried to be a good boy, not trying to hurt no one. Got shadow banned on Vimeo, but I'm not sure why. 
some tender whistleblower flag my love life as a lie. Sir, you're charged with posting, quote, good morning. It's not a good morning for everyone, sir. Check your white privilege. But I... On September 21st of this year, did you not post a photo to Facebook with the caption, quote, nice, warm day today? Well, uh, probably, but... It wasn't a warm day for the people of Antarctica, sir. Who lives in Antarctica? Penguins, sir. Lots of penguins. But penguins aren't people. Racist! Everything I post is questioned. Each fact I post is wrong. They'll probably even fact check the lyrics in this song. They think I should be censored, and if I disagree, my posts they'll keep removing until they cancel me. I hereby find you guilty as charged and sentence you to 30 days in Facebook jail. But I'm not guilty, and that's the truth. This court is not interested in the truth, sir. Only the facts. And the fact is, you are guilty of non-compliance to our agenda. Wait, what? Is that a question? We don't allow anyone to question anything, sir. That will be another 30 days. Well, when they free me from this prison, next time I speak my mind, you can bet I'll think it over before I cross the line. Won't spread misinformation, speak truth in all I say. And if it violates their standards, I'll post it anyway. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock, hour number two is underway. Hour number two, by the way, of three. Can you dig it? Yeah. Second day of the three-hour version of Always Right on AM 1420. The answer, appreciate you being here. We've got a good guest scheduled for the top of the next hour. David Camioner, Life's at News, going to be joining us. Uh, very much uh, looking forward to talking to him about why Joe Brandon is refusing to increase energy production here in the United States even after cutting it uh, from uh, in being imported by Russia, which is the right thing to do. Why will he not do it? And why is he going to continue to blame Vladimir Putin for all of this? The second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, the price of gasoline in January went up 75 cents. I mean, I don't want to point out everything that's wrong with that when I say that the invasion of Ukraine began in February. February 24th is when that, that launched. And he's telling us that the price of gas went up 75 cents in January. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this guy really anymore. I'm sick of this stuff. <laughs> we have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. <laughs> Gas prices were under two bucks a gallon when uh, Donald Trump left office. They're four thirty-three national average now. 
Putin invaded, what, about uh, 20 days ago? And he wants to blame it all on Putin. Peter Kersenow's got a response to that, I am quite certain, and more. Our good friend Peter Kersenow, the longest-serving member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, best-selling author, sometimes columnist, sometimes law professor, all-the-time lawyer, joining us now once again for his regular Tuesday visit on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, good morning, good sir. Morning, Bob. Hey, congratulations on the third hour. That's, uh, that's exciting news. And, uh, you know, it just occurred to me as I was listening to the intro, uh, it's similar to the intros you've done in the past. Uh, being the longest serving member on the U.S. Civil Rights Commission makes me sound like I'm old and decrepit. <laughs> and it makes, it also, I think, uh, raises issues as to whether or not I'm, I'm entirely sane by serving on that commission for so long. It's, uh, the, the kind of issues that we entertain on that commission, uh, they're cutting edge issues. Uh, they're idiotic issues, but they're usually about five to ten years ahead of where the rest of society is. It's a kind of canary in the coal mine. But, uh, in any event, good to be with with you again and again congratulations on the third hour thank you sir to uh clarify some of that for those who don't know you are old you're just not decrepit you're old in an amazing <laughs> shape you're i mean that's the thing anybody who saw you at the bringing america back to life conference in your great presentation knows that so yes you are old as you pointed out uh just uh compl- just finished or i'm sorry entered your seventh decade right yeah, well, almost. I'm I'm getting there. About to. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. The thing is, you know, a little kind of a pro tip here for all your listeners there, and I really mean this. Yeah. Um, you're you're right. I have been uh, working out my entire life. I've been fortunate not to have any serious debilitating injuries. I've you know I've been in the hospital a few times for you know incidents of my own uh, uh, making, but nonetheless, um, I yeah, I really do think that simple things like just exercise and i believe in both aerobic and anaerobic and i try to do a lot of heavy lifting you shouldn't do that after a certain age but if you've been doing it all your life you can do it safely and i do think that heavy lifting does have a uh, a kind of rejuvenative effect that nothing else does even uh, distance running or and sprints also as you know i like doing my hill runs i think when you sprint uphill that type of anaerobic activity really has kind of a rejuvenating effect so anyway that's the uh, the 15 seconds <laughs> <laughs> of non-political uh, discourse. All right, very, very. No, I'll tell you what, very good, uh, Pete. It's uh, it's it's good advice, no doubt about it. The heavy lifting I do is is uh, trying to make sense out of Democrat policies. That's the heavy lifting that I have to do every day. <laughs> it's like it doing a four hundred and fifty pound deadlift. Yeah, it doesn't do much for my shape, though. Unfortunately, uh, just just the mental <laughs> side. All right, Pete. Um, I want you to react to what I just played for a moment here yesterday, speaking in Washington D.C. before some group or another. Brandon uh, blamed uh, the increase in inflation and gas prices in particular on two things, COVID and on Putin. To the COVID side, I reminded everybody before you came on that um, President Trump was president during the worst of COVID. When we had two weeks to flatten the curve starting in March of 2020, the entirety of the rest of that year, President Trump was in office Gas still didn't rise up over two bucks a gallon, or if it did, it was two oh two, and then it went back down to one ninety seven or whatever. Um, that was the worst of COVID. Lockdowns, businesses shut down, and so forth. Gas uh, was under two bucks a gallon. So how can Biden claim that in twenty twenty one, when he also had to deal with COVID, and essentially, you know, a lot of the restrictions began to be lifted as twenty twenty one went on? How does he blame about a about a two dollar increase in gas? on COVID, and then obviously the rest of it uh, since last month when Putin went into Ukraine. 
Well, he can get away with it, or he believes he can get away with it, because he knows the media is going to do the heavy lifting for him. They will either not cover idiotic statements like that, or they'll put some type of spin on it that makes it seem as if that's in fact the case. And consider this, Bob. Uh, there's a poll that came out just a few days ago that showed, to, to let you know what kind of influence the media can have, and I don't think in this case it, it is going to be effective, and it hasn't been effective thus far if you take a look at the polling data. But nonetheless, it's the only thing Biden and the Democrats have, because a lot of this is their own, almost everything is their own making, as you just indicated. Before uh, Biden got into office, we were looking at gas prices that were around 2 to 2.15 a gallon, and now we're well over $4 a gallon. Most of that spike occurred since the, uh, or before the invasion of Ukraine. But why they think they may be able to get away with it, and they have to take this tack because it's the only thing available to them, is that the media is going to cover for them. Consider this, this one fact. The media, or a media poll just recently asked voters, um, who is responsible for Putin's invasion of Ukraine? Now, that question by itself is nonsensical because Putin's responsible for his invasion of Ukraine. But nonetheless, 34% of respondents said Trump. Consider that. 34% said that a guy who's been out of office for more than one year and who's been harder on Russia than any other president of the last 20 years is responsible for the invasion. See, that's what I hate about polling, Pete, because I'm, you know, you can't say, please explain when you're conducting a survey. You know, you can't say, why do you say that? All you can do is ask other questions, yes or no questions, but I would love to hear the rationale for that 34%. Yeah, I would love to hear that, too, uh, because, well, maybe not, because I'm confused enough as it is. But nonetheless, that's an extreme. This is why the Democrats are in trouble also, because they have been coming up with nonsense for, well, since I've been alive, but uh, especially in the last five years. And the reason they come up with the nonsense and the reason why we see them flat footed right now in so many areas, they don't have rational explanations or they don't have meaningful policy policy positions is because their political muscles have atrophied. They have not been having to exercise them because the media has been carrying their water, repeating stuff that is just on its face stupid and sometimes insane, like these gas policies and inflation and who's invading or who's responsible for Putin invading Ukraine. So when we heard, for example, two years ago, something that was palpably ridiculous, and we all thought it was going to redound to the detriment of the Democrats. That phrase was, defund the police. I still maintain that is the dumbest political statement I've ever heard. Um, They said that because there's no pushback. Republicans, on the other hand, almost uniformly have to have three or four explanations or fallback positions because the media is going to drill down on almost anything they say, regardless of how truthful it may be, how accurate it may be. But Democrats get away with all kinds of stuff, so their political muscles, their explanatory muscles, they start to get a little bit flabby. And that's what we see with Biden. He thinks, uh, look, Biden's a different case. Biden is, and his uh, vice president, I think, Bob, they've exceeded our expectations in terms of rank stupidity. I mean, it, 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 again, I, I'm of an age where I'm reluctant to use terms like that, and I know I've been using them a lot, but those are the best descriptors, and maybe not even uh, the most damaging 
accurately accurate descriptors that you can have for these two individuals. We have individuals, though, that are saying some of the uh, most ridiculous things that I've ever heard anybody, regardless of their station on the political spectrum, uh, whether they're presidents, whether they're Democrats, whether they're mayors, whether they're socialists, doesn't matter. Uh, Biden has the ability to utter just utter uh, just sheer nonsense on a regular basis. And Kamala Harris has really exceeded him in many regards. So here we are. You know, we're, we're here with a Biden talking about who's responsible for oil prices, who's responsible for inflation. And as that little sticker that you see sometimes when you go to fill up your gas, your, your uh, car with gas, that little bumper sticker that you see that's sometimes on the pump, he did that. He's the person responsible for that. And going back to, um, you know, uh, who's responsible for the invasion of Ukraine, again, it's Putin. But Biden has done so many things. And really, you have to go back to his election itself. Many of us, you and I have talked about it before Biden was even elected. We talked about the vulnerability of the United States if he gets elected because it's going to send a signal to the bad actors of the world, that America, at least the strong America, is closed for business right now, and it's time to see what you can get before we come to our senses and get some rational actor in the Oval Office. So again, you know, um, he can say that because the media allows him to say that. Yeah, well, they do, and that's a, that's a difficult part about it. Nobody is challenging him, and and if you do challenge him in a in a way that is not directly to his face, because you can't get access. If you challenge him on social media, you get canceled, you get blocked, you get suspended, and all the rest. And that's what makes this so incredible. And he does get away with this. I still don't think he's going to get away with it, big picture, because in November. Everybody is going to remember this, and uh, they do understand who is responsible for maybe not, quote-unquote, Putin invading, and 34% of these idiots said Donald Trump, but they know full well who is responsible for uh, the increase in uh, the inflation and the increase in gas costs right now, and I'll explain more about that coming up and ask you to analyze that, too. We'll take a quick time out now at 1020. Curse now with us on AM 1420, The Answer, right back. Welcome back to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, the answer. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. I am here standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies, and what is at stake at this very moment. What is at stake this very moment are some of the... Uh, keep, keep going there, uh, Kamala. You're, you're doing an outstanding job, seriously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this time, <laughs> Pete. That's uh, that's just a short little summary of uh, Kamala's uh, Eastern European trip, in which she went there to assure the rest of the world not to worry. We've got this. We're on it. We are the United States. We will rally. We will lead the world in stopping and responding to Vladimir Putin. That's who we sent. 
And because I laughed, and maybe you laughed, and a whole bunch of other people laughed, and a whole bunch of other people cringed and hung their head in shame that this is what we sent over there, apparently that makes us all racist. What it is is that they constantly question the qualifications of black women, and that's why people are saying that she's unprepared. And oh, I disagree. I think she's You can disagree, but that's woman. the truth of it. And so this is based in racism. This is based in misogyny. And we're talking about a woman that has extensive experience um, abroad. And I, I think this is just... Uh, that's Sonny Hostin on a TV show uh, called The View you may have heard of and never watched. Uh, so there you go, Pete. How much of the Kamala Harris backlash for her leading the response to the Russian invasion, going to Poland, going to Bulgaria, going to Romania, uh, and embarrassing us all like this, how much of that is based in racism and misogyny? Um, about minus 100%. Just consider if a white male had looked that idiotic. Uh, they would have been raked over the coals. It would have probably been on the front page of the New York Times, especially if it's a Republican. Uh, that was not just an embarrassing performance. That was a performance that has real-life consequences. There are, as you know, people in the Kremlin, people in the Politburo, the Chinese Politburo. I mean, if you read um, any kind of analyses of the Chinese, for example, and their intelligence services and their military intelligence services, what they do in terms of studying us is truly extraordinary. They have tens of thousands of people who are devoted to studying our leaders, and they do it 24-7. They look at every single sentence, every little utterance, and they have psychological profiles that are developed about these guys. It's extraordinary. Um, I'm trying to think of one place your readers or your listeners could go to uh, to see some of this analysis. It, uh, I can't think of one, but I'll try to think of one during the course of, of this discussion. Uh, heck, all I have to do is read uh, Tom Clancy's, I think it was, um, who does a very good job, by the way, of course, Clancy and the people who've written for him do a very good job of researching these kinds of things, um, where they talk about the inte- intelligence services of China, studying our leaders in ex- exquisite, extraordinary, excruciating detail. And when they look at a Kamala Harris, um, I'm wondering what they're thinking in terms of their just emotional reaction, because the conclusions that almost anybody could come to is this is a person who should probably be working at 7-Eleven. No disrespect to people who work at 7-Eleven, but Kamala Harris is adult. I have wondered how it is that she eventually passed the bar exam. I think she failed once, but it's extraordinary that she passed it. And then she became attorney general of the state of California. Now, a lot of people have, you know, questions as to how that happened, or they have their own uh, surmise as to how that happened. And, you know, I I wonder, too. I'm not going to get into all that stuff. But uh, this is not somebody who should be vice president of the United States. We have a president who shouldn't be president of the United States. And these things have real world consequences, as we see right now. You and I and lots of other people have discussed this over a year ago, two years ago, that when they got elected, it was going to send a signal to our adversaries, to the aggressors in the world. Just as, you know, when you were a little kid on a playground, weakness invites aggression. It's not simply uh, physical weakness. It's mental weakness. It's strategic weakness. And almost everything these two say and do telegraphs that weakness. The problem is it's not confined to them. So it's con- it has real-world ramifications, not just even on the United States. It has ramifications for the entire Western world, because the world and history did not stop when Harris and Biden got elected. And Vladimir Putin doesn't care whether or not Harris is a black female. What he sees is a weak and stupid person. 
Well, that's because he has eyes and he has ears, and uh, that is very obvious and plain to see. Uh, that is what she is. Pete, um, let's go from weak, though, and, uh, you know, impossibly unprepared to also just completely oblivious to the facts of the situation as far as our international alliances. Listen to this part. So I will say what I know we all say, and I will say over and over again. The United States stands firmly with the Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. Pete? Word salad again. First of all, Ukraine is not part of NATO. That's the part. No, that, that, you know, yeah, it wasn't the word salad that I was, it was that last part. She said that the United States stands firmly with the Ukrainian people as part of the NATO alliance. Ukraine is not in NATO. This is the basis for Putin's, you know, his justification for, for invading is because he doesn't want Ukraine to flirt with and become a part of NATO and have NATO have more access to the, to the Russian border. She thinks that Ukraine is already the in Ukrainian NATO. Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. How can we defend the NATO alliance if they're not in NATO? Uh, that part is just that that's that's beyond just you know showing weakness it's showing a, an abject ignorance of of international geopolitics and alliances and bob stop being racist and sexist but here we are <laughs> we have sent this person overseas yeah. and in an, an extremely serious circumstance where people's ears are wide open their eyes are wide open and they're listening to every word every comma everything and they hear that and think how jarring that is. I mean, just a few miles from where she is, relatively speaking, bombs are going off and people are being dismembered. And they hear this. And then what, what else does she do? Again, the cognitive dissonance related to what we just talked about, but also the emotional dissonance. Look at the fact that she laughed in the presence of the, of the Polish prime minister. She's laughing in just a few kilometers to her east, by the way, she didn't know where she was. It was the eastern flank, no. the northern flank, the southern flank. She has no clue where she is. But she's laughing when people are being torn to bits about refugees. Are we going to be taking refugees? I guarantee you, the border czar, Kamala Harris, wouldn't be laughing, and she didn't laugh when they had that fake photo of Border Patrol agents allegedly whipping illegal immigrants coming across our border. Well, you, we know that wasn't happening, but there was high dudgeon. They were enraged by those photos, right? But she's laughing about people being torn asunder. This is not just dumb and stupid. This is immoral, and we should call it as such. We shouldn't be tolerating this kind of stuff from our ostensible leaders. No question about it. Pete, we'll take our time out here. We're going to come back. We've got a lot more to talk about with you, including what this is going to mean to the Democrats uh, and to the country in November. Uh, what are minorities who are oftentimes the tipping point between victory and defeat? What are they doing? How are they viewing all of this? I know you've got some numbers to share with us. We'll do that next on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, and 
it's uh, an incredible thing that it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things, and you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, nine dollars. That was Donald Trump back in the summer of 2020. <laughs> we were at $2. And here we are in uh, just after year one of Biden, and it's only rising, and we're at 433 national average. On our way to $5, $6, $7, and probably even higher than that. He was right. The question that I have is whether or not it was just a campaign you know, a little quip, or if he knew exactly what he was talking about. Let's ask Peter Kirsch now a little bit more about that. Peter continues with us. Hey, Pete, um, you know, everybody's been playing that clip recently. It's kind of been flying around. Everybody, oh, Trump knew it. He was spot on there, and he was. What I want to know is, do you think he knew what Putin would do if he lost? Do you think he knew or believed what Taiwan, or excuse me, what China would do to Taiwan, which of course is a very, very real possibility, depending on how uh, you know we and the international community respond to what Putin is doing now to Ukraine. Do you think that he knew he was keeping the uh, the madmen at bay while he was there, and that if he is gone, uh, they would absolutely act, and it would destabilize the world oil market, and it would destabilize, quite frankly, everything. Do you think it was just a kind of an off-the-cuff remark when he said, if he gets in there, it's going to be six, seven, eight, or nine, or do you think he knew exactly what would happen? I think he, the latter, I think he knew exactly what would happen, because it wasn't simply an off-the-cuff remark, Bob, and I know you've played other clips over the year, over the last year, uh, that show that on numerous occasions, Trump had made predictions of this sort, and I'm not simply, you know, commending Trump for these predictions, because frankly, a lot of people, including you and I, were making predictions similar to this. The handwriting, so to speak, was on the wall. The, the, the Democrats were telegraphing the idiotic things they were going to do, but because, as I said earlier, they're so insulated by the media, they don't even realize how stupid many of the proposals they make sound to the ordinary uh, average American who works for a living and really wor- know, oh, knows how the real world works when it comes to gas prices, when it comes to, again, weakness inviting aggression. So when Trump said these things, all you have to do is go back a little bit in history and see the pronunciations of a Putin or a Xi and also understand a little bit of, of human nature and what the ambitions were of these guys. These are guys are told totalitarians and they saw a very weak and feeble administration coming into office and they decided we have a at best a four-year window of opportunity to achieve our nationalistic aspirations and they're going to do their best to try to achieve it i think depending upon what happens with ukraine i mean there's so many things when it comes to war all manner of things can happen but as things stand now i don't think we should be surprised if putin tries to expand beyond ukraine whether or not he goes into baltic states and triggers a nato section 5 response is another matter but i do think he's going to try to assert himself more broadly if he has some measure of success in ukraine g We know what's going to happen there. He's going to try to expand his sphere of influence in the South China Sea, and Taiwan's in great jeopardy. Right now, they're shaking in their boots. Well, they're not, because they they got guts over there. But they are preparing in every respect 
for the possible invasion of Taiwan. And that would be, it's, it's not going to be as easy as it sounds. I know most people will look at Taiwan, see a little blob of land, um, you know, sitting there in the sea in this huge China with billions of, or a billion people plus, and think that this is going to be a walkover. It's not going to be a walkover, and that's why it's taking China a little bit of time to figure out how to do this. I'm sure they've got 15 different plans in which to do it. But again, going back to your initial question, yeah, I think Trump knew exactly what would happen. And he predicted not just gas, he, he predicted a lot of things with respect to uh, the uh, uh, a new world order and the aggressiveness of our adversaries. And he predicted many of the things that we're currently seeing in terms of inflation, um, this is what we had warned about when the media, and let's face it, the media foisted Biden upon us. He didn't campaign. He was in his basement. Yeah. They foisted well, him upon yeah. us, and they tried to tell us all kinds of bad things about Trump. You can hate Trump for all of his personal you know, uh, idiosyncrasies, but uh, as somebody said, <laughs> they'd much rather have mean tweets and no inflation than what we have right now. Well, you know, um, let's let's put that that to the test here. Well, actually, in a moment, because I wanted to play the back half of the clip there when I played Trump predicting seven, eight, nine dollars a gallon under Joe Biden. The the back half of that clip is Mayor Pete, also known as Transportation Secretary Pete, uh, announcing what the real goal is here. Last month, we announced a five billion dollar investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network, so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. The average price of an electric car is $53,000. And I just had a listener text me and said, hey, Bob, ask Kersenau what he thinks about the Biden administration trying to get low-income folks in the hood to buy an expensive electric car because they cannot afford to put gas in their regular gas car. These people are so detached from reality. Talking about the hood, first of all, it's expensive, but it's also, I'm trying to think of how to put this, um, I wouldn't buy an electric vehicle because, frankly, uh, I'm going to be very charitable. It's not me. Uh, I would be caught dead in one of those little things, and I suspect many of my neighbors wouldn't either. I'm an American, among other things, okay? And I'm an American male, and I grew up with muscle cars, and I will confess in a misspent youth to doing some drag racing that was unlawful. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, um, this is America. We should be able with responsibility to buy what we want to buy. And first of all, electric vehicles are simply not practical yet. And they may not ever be because we're using fossil fuels to fuel the charging stations that Mayor Pete is all excited about in the first place. And then if there's any kind of a dislocation in terms of our energy supply, electric is the first to go. Just like with these solar panels. Solar panels presume solar, presume sol, presumes the sun. And if you have a cloudy day, guess what? Hey, you know what? You're going to need backup. And the backup comes from coal, natural gas, and oil. Uh, we are. So somebody brought this specific- up on the show. Hey, Pete, somebody brought, you, brought this up on the show yesterday. Whenever there's a power outage, what do most families do when their electric goes out? They fire up their what? Their gas generator. Exactly. <laughs> because that's exactly. more reliable. Exactly. These people don't live in the real world, the, the booty judges of the world. You know, they live in this theoretical kind of seminar world uh, that the rest of us don't live in. And unfortunately, these guys are in charge. Jennifer Granholm has absolutely no clue. Listen to I, I, Look, this is not a partisan screed. It just happens to be partisan because the Democrats seem to be walking in a lockstep in insanity. 
You have Granholm, you've got Buttigieg, you've got all these cabinet secretaries, Mayorkas, all these people live in a different world from you and me, and we're suffering the consequences like it right now. And I know in your intro you talked about some changes in the demographics here in terms of voting. It's having an effect from A to Z. In other words, traditional Democratic constituencies are looking at this thing, and even they are saying, this is a bridge too far. They have to look out for their own interests, the interests of their family, and almost everything that Democrats are proposing, by the way, they all sound as if they've come directly from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad and Bernie Sanders. This is what we got. We, the, Joe Biden's not in charge. The squad, or at least their premises and ideology, is in charge, and we're suffering the consequences. Nobody who's got more than a fourth grade education would tolerate this kind of insanity. But apparently, this is part of the Democratic and the media's, but I repeat myself, playbook. They think this kind of stuff works because, uh, unfortunately, not too many of them have been spending much time in the real world. I've always always said, Bob, sorry for going off on a tangent here, but I think many of your listeners would agree that it's a good thing for people who aren't in manual labor jobs, uh, or what I call real jobs, to at least have spent several years in such jobs when they were in school or something else, because it helps ground you in reality. And when you look at the Biden administration, these are the kind of guys you can tell intuitively, instinctively, that when you and I were working in factories or working manual jobs, working tough jobs in the summer or you know during breaks and whatever it may be, or maybe even our first job, uh, you know, I happen to be a lawyer now, but that's not what I was. I, that's not how I was born. You know, my father was a steel worker, and I worked those kind of jobs, working in foundries and places like that. It grounds you in reality that there are certain fundamental <laughs> laws of gravity that apply to everybody. These guys, however, these you know Wharton School grads. No disrespect to Wharton School. No disrespect to Ms. McKinsey, but you know what I'm talking about. When you haven't bloodied yourself, when you haven't dirtied yourself, you have a perspective on the world that is unrealistic, and that's what we're seeing throughout the cabinet. Pete, um, let's look a little bit more. We just barely touched on what's going to happen in November as a result of all of this, and we talked about the demographics, blacks and Hispanics turning away from the Democrat Party in bigger numbers. Uh, and, and I think this is going to be you know, kind of evidentiary of that. This, this consumer price index, U.S. city average in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, was 257.97. In February of 22, last month, it was two, uh, 281.15. That's an increase of 8.2%. Inflation in urban areas in Florida, Georgia, and Arizona, battleground states all, have been significantly higher than that U.S. city average. In Atlanta, the change was 11.7%, up from 8.2%. In Florida, Tampa, Miami area, differences 11.8% and 10.2%, respectively. And in the urban areas in Arizona, the difference was 10.7%. So one would tend to think that if the people in those areas, which are massive population centers in battleground states, are upset with that extraordinary increase in their price of everything, all commodities leading to, uh, you know, are, are, are feeling, I should say, the effect, including 6,000 petrochemical-related uh, products, in addition to just the gasoline in their cars. If these people are tired of paying more, they, they do know who's in charge. They do know who's establishing the policy. Do you believe that will come out in November? Yeah, I do, and those are great stats. Um, And let me give you a couple more stats for your audience. All of those things, the confluence of all those factors in the real world, have caused reliable Democratic constituencies 
to move decisively toward Republicans. If you look at polling data, but not just polling data, actual elections that have occurred since the presidential election, Democrats are scared to death for a reason. Now, you know Kirstenau's ironclad rule of elections. I've always said this. If the Democrats cannot get on a national basis a floor of 88% of the black vote, and that's the absolute floor. If they can't get that, they cannot win, period, full stop, okay? Uh, that's 88%. Usually, Democrats get, um, you know, around 92 to 93% of the black vote. With respect to Hispanic vote, Democrats usually get or are expecting to get about 65% of the Hispanic vote. And if they get below that, they are not viable. They just can't get it done anymore, all right? They have bled much of the white vote, they have to retain Hispanic vote and black vote just to be competitive on the national level. And of course, they have to have a lockstep media. Right now, as we speak, 27% of blacks view themselves as aligned with the Republican Party. Okay, so if you do the math on that, that's 73, far below 88, which is the floor. And more worrisome for Democrats is that 75% of Hispanics are aligning themselves with Republicans. In other words, if you ask the question, who do you think you're going to be vote, vote, voting for, you know, member of what party, come midterm elections, 75% of Hispanics will say, or fewer than 75% of Hispanics will say, um, uh, that they're voting for Democrats, and only 73% or less of blacks are going to say that, and that is electoral death for Democrats. They can't win. It's, it's an impossibility. Now, a long time between now and the election, but we don't see anything in the foreseeable future that's going to change that. I mean, Biden and the rest of the Democrats are continuing to do stupid things. And another bellwether, Bob, is the fact that um, Beto O'Rourke down in Texas is now saying that critical race theory needs to be abandoned. Okay? Beto O'Rourke saying get rid of critical race theory, which is one of the hallowed points of Beto the Democratic Party. Critical yeah, but Beto, Beto O'Rourke is, I think, the outlier. You know that because he is just a constant candidate. He has always, he failed his presidential bid, he's failing in his, failed in his Senate bid, and now he's saying, I'll try governor this time. He's just the perpetual candidate. He'll say anything for a vote depending on his audience. You know as well as I do, next month he'll be in front of a different audience and he'll say critical race theory needs to be in every, every American classroom. And if he does that, in addition to oil and inflation or gas prices and inflation, the thing that's driving a lot of the defection from the Democratic Party is critical race theory in schools or, or the school environment, uh, broadly speaking. Parents have had an opportunity to see the garbage that's being fed to their kids in many public schools, and they've recoiled in horror. We saw it with respect to the Virginia election, the gubernatorial election there. There have been a number of other discrete elections where this has been a huge, huge issue. You can't continue, as the Democrats had for the last year, and again, in large part because they've been insulated by the media from recognizing how lunatic some of this stuff. You can't continue to say defund the cops and that uh, little white kids are racist or have privilege and all kinds of other things, you know, uh, uh, tell yeah. lies about inflation and oil prices and, can, and expect that you're going to be able to prevail in an election. I think there's a real problem. And if you take a look at three special elections down in Texas, in areas that are heavily Hispanic, almost overwhelmingly Hispanic, and prior to 2020 had been uniformly and reliably Democrat, they've elected Republicans. Yeah. Uh, this Pete, is me, a, a real wake-up call. Pete, let me take a time out here. We're a little bit past, but I do want to ask you one more question. Can you hang with us for one more short sure one? Okay, Pete Kersenau will answer the next question. 
about the woman of the year. You might be surprised to find out who that is. Kirsten, now next. Peter Kirsten, I normally don't keep you for this last segment because I'm locking out the show, but now that I have a third hour ready to start after the top of the hour, I can use you in this moment. And I want to get uh, your reaction to USA Today's Women of the Year. Uh, apparently, they didn't choose just one woman. They do a segment or do a, a collection uh, in the newspaper of the Women of the Year. Now, one of them, you may be stunned to learn, is Kamala Harris for the phenomenal job that she did. <laughs> <laughs> the phenom- phenomenal job she did on the southern border, keeping the uh, the border uh, secure, and then the amazing job she did representing the United States in foreign affairs uh, in Eastern Europe. But that is a tr- tremendous selection compared to the one I want you to respond to, because the other or another of the women of the year highlighted by USA Today is Richard Levine. Uh, also known as Dr. Yes. Rachel Levine, the U.S. Admiral Assistant Secretary, yeah, Admiral, uh, Dr. Admiral, four-star Admiral Rachel Levine, the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health, who is a biological male in a wig and some lipstick, has been named one of USA Today's Women of the Year. Pete, do what you will with that. Um, when we see aggression from the Russians and the Chinas of the world, I'm not saying that, you know, Dr. Levine has provoked this, but it's that type of attitude that causes our adversaries to think we're not serious people. There are are real-world consequences to many of the individual discrete things that we do. And these days, especially with the proliferation of media, everybody sees these kinds of things, and it has a more, I think, concentrated impact than it would have, say, 20 or 30 years ago. With respect to Dr. Levine, you can treat somebody with dignity and respect, and I would encourage everybody to do so, but at the same time, not accept things that are patently false. Dr. Levine can can refer to himself as whatever he wants, and again, I will treat that person with dignity and respect, but then afford me at least the courtesy and the grace of, of treating me with dignity and respect and not forcing me to say something that is fundamentally untrue. It is false. So there are a lot of ramifications to this, and we're going to be working through this for a number of years, if not decades. And as you know, at the Civil Rights Commission, we saw this stuff a long time ago, and I was telling people to watch out for this because it goes beyond simply a man being a woman or a woman being a man and all these other things. This goes with how we think of ourselves as a society and what we can compel people to do or say. Uh, this goes back, and I said this Friday, Bob, when you were there at the uh, conference, mm-hmm. that y- you read many of the dystopian novels that nailed it. We seem to be living through it. But the one I would encourage people to read is Arthur Kessler's Darkness at Noon. If they can get you to say a man is a woman, it's not an issue of whether a man's a woman. It's whether or not they can get you to accept things that are not true. It is the first stage that totalitarians require their populations to go through to accept things that are fundamentally untrue. I'll treat Levine with all the respect that uh, he deserves, but treat me with the accordant respect also. 
And moreover, in my opinion, Pete, treat real women with the respect by not diminishing them to being just what somebody says that they are. Real women are real beings as women. They are part of, of God's construct of men and women, male and female, chromosomally, anatomically, physiologically, biologically. Uh, and if something is wrong psychologically, then deal with that. But stop making real women into caricatures because somebody decided they want to play woman a woman uh, for their own personal. Uh, reasons. Peter Kirsten out. Great stuff as always, my friend. Thank you for the extra time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. That's Kirsten out wrapping up hour number two, but not wrapping up the show because we've got another hour to go. Technically, we'll leave some uh, time for O'Reilly at the end of our show, but hour number three coming up. Always right. AM 1420, the answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. inflation is Vladimir Putin. From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, the price of gasoline in January went up 75 cents. <laughs> I'm sick of this stuff. And Putin began amassing troops along the border, and guess what? The world took notice. And those of you who work in the business know that the market... Ent- no, just, just stop. Just stop, Joe. Just stop. You've made it very clear that the entire world is being hamstrung and held hostage by Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, including everything that happened in the 14 months prior to his invasion of Ukraine. We get it. We know how you feel about him. Vladimir Putin was a bad dude. Yeah, almost as bad as corn pop. It's all Vladimir Putin's fault. Welcome to hour number three of Always Right on AM 1420. The answer, it's the 15th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us. we got to explore a little bit about this. He says it's not his fault at all. As a matter of fact, he said that the notion that his policies or his administration are responsible for the increase in fuel prices and in the increase in inflation overall is simply not true. He said it three times. Simply not true. Simply not true. Simply not true. It's Vladimir Putin's fault. And it's a little bit of COVID's fault from 2021 as well. But none of it was his administration's policies responsible for this inflation. 
Well, there's one guy who disagreed with that, and he wrote a really good article about it that I read in Life Z. David Camioner returns to us now. He's a veteran of U.S. Army Intelligence, honors graduate, University of Maryland's European Division, also uh, served with the Pershing Nuclear Brigade and 1st Infantry Division. He joins us now as a contributing editor for Life Z on AM 1420, The Answer. David, good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good, Bob. I'm glad to be back. Your headline, the question you ask and answer in your column, why won't Biden increase U.S. energy production, would seem to be uh, pretty straightforward. It's not probably as straightforward as you think, or as we think, rather. Uh, And that's why I want to have you on to talk a little bit about this. He got it half right when he decided to finally, after the fact, uh, agree to ban the importing of Russian oil, which still doesn't take place for about another 30 to 45 days. But he will not do the correlating step, which is increase and maximize U.S. energy production. He's keeping that low because of the green, the gangrene, if you will, uh, uh, puppet masters that have him dangling on the ends of their strings. Tell us more about why you believe Joe Biden uh, is going to refuse to let fossil fuels rescue us from the hell that we are all entering right now. Well, let's remember, Joe Biden's very first day in office, he killed the Keystone Pipeline. So his very first day in office, he was paying back debts from the 2020 election. And if we go back there, we remember the riots that were happening in 2020, a bunch of other civil disrest, and that came from the very same people, George Soros, Antifa, um, AOC, the kind of green agenda that has been um, percolating for quite a long time. Now, if we go back even before that, there was a term, and I mentioned it uh, in my article, called watermelon communist. And it's a pithy term, which means green on the outside, red on the inside, because all of these things, from American energy production to the green agenda, is just more about controlling the lives of Americans on a daily basis. David, I want to follow up to, a, to an element of this that I don't think a whole lot of people understand or realize is there, and that is Russia's role in this, not because of the invasion of Ukraine, but because of their bankrolling, Vladimir Putin's bankrolling of the green movement here in the United States. I've got a couple of articles in front of me from just the last few days. Russia funneled cash to anti-fossil fuel climate extremists, according to a 2018 report. Right now, there are a number of Republicans in, in the House, the Republican Study Committee in particular, with Jim Banks, sending a letter to the Treasury Secretary demanding a full investigation, citing a 2015 uh, Washington Free Beacon report that suggested that the California-based Sea Change Foundation may allegedly be a conduit for Russian oil interests and funneling money to groups like the League of Conservative Voters, or excuse me, Conservation Voters, very different, the Natural Resources Defense Council, the Sierra Club, and other green groups. So that's an element to this. Russia is screwing us over, I think, two different ways here. Number one, they're coordinating, colluding, and funding the green movement that is attacking the American fossil fuel and oil and uh, uh, natural gas uh, industries. Uh, and then, of course, by going to war and destabilizing the market, it makes it even more painful for us. That's exactly right, Bob. Um, these folks have been working in tandem for some time. I mean, if we look at American history over just, say, the last 10 years, let's say since the Obama administration, we've seen um, coordination across the board. Example being, going back to 2020, 
um, and some of those riots, we saw a lot of pre-staged uh, material. Every time the riot showed up, there was logistics in place. Now, this didn't happen because a bunch of scruffy college kids decided to go out in the streets instead of their midterms. This was a coordinated aspect. And I'll tell you, there are people in D.C., people I served with uh, 40 years ago in Army Intelligence, who believe not only was funding in place, but there were Russian, Chinese, and possibly Iranian intelligence agents on the ground in the United States coordinating the military logistical efforts of these groups. We're talking with David Camioner, and we're talking about the uh, refusal of the Biden administration and Biden himself to uh, to cross the green people. That you're right that he uh, he kind of uh, promised right at the beginning that he was going to destroy the oil industry. I mean, those are words that he actually used to voters in a couple of uh, of, of stops that he made. Um, and now, you know, he, he may may or may not have seen this coming. Uh, talking about the invasion that was going to destabilize the the world uh, energy and oil markets, he may or may not have seen it coming. But his reaction to this now is one where I either have to save the American economy and the middle class uh, consumers' budgets uh, by by doing something I said I wouldn't do, or hold to my word, um, tell tell them we're moving toward EVs and renewable energy and let them all suffer. Either way, it's bad for him come November. That's exactly right. I mean, we've seen this before with the Democrats in 1972. They walked over a cliff with George McGovern, with Barack Obama in 2010, and they just can't help themselves. And you're exactly right, Bob. I mean, this is a common sense thing. Voters um, vote about things in their wallets and their pocketbooks, and we've all seen what's happened at the pumps. And Joe Biden and the Democrats, because they're in charge, are going to be held responsible. So if you're a competent political thinker, strategist, or tactician, they're thinking, okay, this is going to kill me at the polls. i got to do something else. But the Democrats are in a quandary because, as you said before, they owe these people. They owe uh, left-wing, green, uh, in, in a sense, terrorists, given what they've done before, um, you know, for their election. And not just on the street or at the ballot box, but in the influence these people have over our media, in the influence these people have over our economy, and certainly over our culture. I mean, we hear the message from TV and movies and everywhere else, all the pop culture, all the time, about a green agenda. And uh, this, this is not coming out of just some arbitrary feeling on their part. It's part of a coordinated campaign that helps get Joe Biden elected. Now, if for Joe Biden, it's time to pay the piper. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. David Camiona is my guest. He is a contributing editor for Life Zet. Um, so when you when you look at um, the bigger picture here with respect to who the Americans will, the American people will blame for this, you know, he continues. And in fact, he's got even media on his side. Uh, I've got a story here. I don't know if I can pull it up in time. But they're all trying to advance the hashtag, you know, Putin's price hikes, Putin's price war, Putin's inflation, and this sort of thing, blaming it all on him. Despite Breitbart did a great piece, by the way, talking about, uh, you know, the, the step by step or month by month increase in gas prices from the $2 or so it was when he took over into the spring, the summer, the fall, and the winter of 2021, and now into the spring of 20 or, you know, winter months of 2022. Uh, he can blame maybe the last 50 to 75 cents on what happened with Putin, but the first $2 and and 15 or 20 cents of that increase is from his policies over the course. 
Um, and and so the, the question is, is, will the American people buy that, um, considering that very, very precious few media sources will tell the truth? Breitbart will do it, but they get canceled. They don't even get, they don't even show up anymore on Google res- results. I'm a conservative talk show host. I don't have the reach, uh, you know, and, and if you try to share it with so- social media, David, on, on uh, the platforms that the leftists run, they're all going to be embracing. I heard, I saw a guy on MSNBC the other day doing exactly that. Uh, what was his name? Hassan, I think, Madi Hassan, saying that the right wing wanted uh, him to cancel the Russian importing of oil or importing of Russian oil. And then what did they do? They turned around and blamed him for the rising gas prices. He's got every tool in the box on his side. Will there be a reckoning, David? There will be a reckoning because there is one tool he doesn't have. And that is, as an old political consultant, I can remind you, paid media. Mm -hmm. The guys at the RNC and the guys in individual campaigns uh, running from Congress, uh, Senate, gubernatorial campaigns, understand that people vote with their pocketbooks and wallets. They understand that every day that they fill up their uh, tank of gas, they are under their breath cursing Joe Biden. So first of all, that's something... Uh, you know, that they understand is being amplified every day. All the Republicans have to do, and there are a lot of sharp people already planning to do this, all they have to do is remind them of something they're seeing every single day. Plus, I mean, people, you know, they can be manipulated, sadly, but, you know, they can only be manipulated to a certain degree. It's Lincoln's old, you know, you can fool uh, some of the people some of the time. Well, what the Democrats are going to try to do, as you've just said, is drumbeat this thing from Hollywood stars to TikTok to all these things. That this is Putin's fault. Oh, Putin's such a bad guy. And Putin is a bad guy. But just like Breitbart did, just like other people will do, uh, the American people aren't dumb. And they remember. I mean, you see it all the time on when you can on social media when uh, the, the, the price of gas when President Trump left office. I mean, people aren't that dumb. And even young people who have vehicles, uh, who have other, uh, you know, costs related to vehicles are seeing this happen too. So some of the core constituencies of the Democratic Party, young women, other folks, are starting to see that Joe Biden's policies are are directly affecting them on a daily basis. And that is really hard to overcome at the polls. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. David, I want to ask you about this. Um, A lot of people have been playing this... uh uh, Trump clip in which he predicted the gas prices were going to go up under Joe Biden, which is probably not that hard of a prediction. But the second half of the clip is uh, Transportation Secretary Pete. Uh, and I want to get your reaction to this. We have more oil than anybody, okay? And it's uh, an incredible thing that have, it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things. And you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, $9. Didn't they say, get rid of your car? Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. Is it as simple as it sounds right there? Um, eight, nine bucks a gallon is on the way, and pretty soon people will say, I just can't do it anymore. Okay, twist my arm long enough, and I'll go and plunk down whatever I have and, uh, and get into an expensive electric vehicle. Is that the end game? That's one of the end games. Um, you know, Joe Biden's election was a green light for a lot of things. Um, I posted in LifeSet back during 2020 and the beginning of his administration that the world was watching what was going to happen. Because if we go back to the Crimea, when did that happen? 
2014. Again, a Democratic administration. If we go back to many foreign crises in the past, Kennedy administration, Berlin, and the Cuban Missile Crisis, it always happened. It happens because of an untried Democrat American administration. So it was the green light for those things, and it's the green light too, as, as you just played those clips, um, for a movement on on energy policy um, that is going to benefit people one who have investments in electric vehicles and also want, you know, because of a green agenda, um, gas vehicles off the grid. And obviously, um, um, to be perfectly frank, Joe Biden doesn't know that one way or another. He's led by his advisors. But if you look at the people around him, especially his chief of staff, Ron Klain, who has a long record in this regard, and, of course, Pete Buttigieg, and, again, everybody around him, not to mention the entire left wing, probably at least 40 to 50 percent of the Democratic Party, people like Bernie Sanders and AOC, they've been advocating this stuff for decades so, you know, so Joe Biden knew he was signing a pact with the devil in 2020. Does he believe it himself? Who knows? But he decided that was worth the price of power. And now what's going to happen, in not only in November, but little by little by little, we're going to start to see federal regulations. We're going to start to see little nipping around the edge of, um, you know, of the American, of American energy production when it comes to vehicles to, to, uh, to the point that in several years, you're right, people are going to throw up their hands, but more important to these people uh, that are uh, advocating a green agenda, industry will throw up their hands and stop building um, um, gas-fueled vehicles and go completely over to EV, and that's what they want. David Camioner, contributing editor to Life is That. Terrific analysis on why Biden will not max out American energy uh, production in the face of all of this instability. Uh, he's got a different agenda, and I think we uh, have pretty much underlined what it is. David, thank you for coming on and doing just that. We appreciate it. You're welcome, Bob. Thank you so much. There's David Camioner. It's 1122. we got phone call time between now and the end of the broadcast, so this is a good chance to dial 216-901-0945 or leave your message. I love this feature. Uh, at alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. Not .com. .us. Because it's America first around here. .us. Click the sound off button you see on the right side of the page. Put in your name and your email address, and then record your voice message. Send it to me. We'll play it. Right here on AM 1420, The Answer. The biggest ally of our free people is the truth. Because the truth often poses a threat to power. Always right with Bob France. Truth is the most important value we have. On AM 1420, The Answer. There is truth in that truth, in that description, in that discussion of truth. There's not about, no doubt about it. 216-901-0945 is the number to call, 888-281-1110. If you want to get in on what we are discussing this morning or even off the grid, you can do that, too, because we've got about eh, 30 minutes, uh, 20 minutes-ish, actually, rather, of the show uh, to go. So you decide. We'll uh, play it that way uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. Let me go to Akron. I actually played a clip that was recorded on our uh, webpage from Tanya and Akron in the first hour, so she's going to bookend the show. She starts it in the first hour, she's going to wrap it here. Uh, Tanya, go ahead. I'm, I missed the bookend, but I did rant yesterday because I was just looking at, uh, <clears throat> you know, we all know that Putin is, Putin is responsible for this, but mm-hmm. we're going to have to look back at the history books and say, what did our leaders do? They sat around and said that, this would never happen again, and we're watching it happen again. 
So there should be somewhere that they should be held accountable for that. What, 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 you, may not. you know, listen, listen, Tanya, when I played your clip, I responded to it by talking about how if they had it to do over again, it would be great if, uh, you know, a Nazi uh, behind the scenes had taken out Hitler after his first invasion of Czechoslovakia and then Poland before it got out of hand, which it did. And I get that about, you know, maybe somebody, Lindsey Graham even talked about that, somebody behind the scenes in Russia take out Putin before things get out of hand. But short of that, what, what were you suggesting? Were you suggesting that we... Okay, you're gonna get that, yeah. or because we can't we can't no, have that on the radio. No. We gotta kill that. Yeah. Okay, hold on. All right, so Tanya, so so what what was your larger picture there? Are you suggesting you want us to go ahead and battle uh, uh, Putin's forces? I think I, no, I don't. I think that we didn't have the reason why <clears throat> we have a lousy set of leaders on NATO and on our end, and the reason why we're in this is because. They're weak. They believe that they could, they, you know, we could have supplied the forces to uh, the Ukraine like Donald Trump was doing it. Right. We weren't giving them, we weren't giving them. Not you know, the forces. You mean, you mean, you mean the mil, you mean the weaponry? The weaponry. Right. right. Early on, everybody saw this coming. You had to be an idiot to see that if you knew what uh, Putin was about, he, he's, Said when evil people say what they're going to do, you need to believe them and prepare for it. Okay, Donald Trump prepared to deal with Putin because he knew he was evil. He's prepared to pay with deal with all of his enemies. If I have an enemy, I'm going to prepare. When they say something, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to send some. Let me be respectful for us for yeah. our for our former vice president who did nothing, who's now president now, and his vice president, who cackled and almost choked. Hey, you're talking about one of USA Today's Women of the Year now. You be careful what you say about her. Yeah, right. Okay, okay, she's a lawyer, and I don't know where she got her pop, you know, her Cracker Jack law degree from. But (laughs) other than that, we won't say anything else. But... We could have prepared them. We didn't have to do the fight. This is a country that's prepared to do the fighting for themselves, and they know the enemy better than we know the enemy. We just had to supply them the arms consistently for the last two years, four years. But we were, we were, we bought into the propaganda that Putin is bad because he's a friend of Donald Trump's, and we spent all our time on that. And now we got these idiots paying. TikTok influencers do the same thing all over again. But it, not to Donald Trump. They're trying to do it to our kids. Yeah. Just, well, like, let me let me let me respond to a couple of those, uh, Tanya, and I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the call. Go ahead and take your other call now. I'm sure you got it on hold over there. But listen, um I would not characterize Vladimir Putin as Donald Trump's friend. I think that plays right into the the, the uh, game of the left. I, I think that's a I think that's a mistake. I think Donald Trump knew how to massage relationships with dangerous people. It's why we had no wars, and it's why we had no aggressive actions taken against us or other or our allies for his entire four years of his presidency. He knew how to handle and massage the relationship with Kim Jong-un. 
he knew how to handle a massage of the relationship with Xi Jinping, even while putting tariffs on Chinese goods that have never, ever been placed before, costing them billions, billions because of the trade imbalance that we had just gone along with for, for years and years. He knew how to massage the relationship with Putin, which is why Putin didn't do anything aggressive the way he did in the Obama years and now in the Biden years. I wouldn't call that a friend. I would call that a guy who knows how to use and manipulate uh, other strong men to make sure uh, that they stay in line. Having said all of that, now we have Joe Biden, which is the exact opposite. Quick time out here for news. We'll come back. One more segment to go on Always Right AM 1420, The Answer. Good conversation with David Camioner. Good conversation also uh, earlier with Peter Kirsten. Now, if you missed either one of those, check them out on our uh, podcast page at whkradio.com. You can also find them on my page at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. By the way, remember the T-shirt that we were selling uh, when I came up with that uh, just off-the-cuff slogan, they don't want science, they only want compliance? Well, that T-shirt went ahead and reproduced. You, uh, what do you call that? Unisex, asexual reproduction, because there wasn't a mate for it, but it somehow reproduced. And now there's like 25 different shirts available for you, all patriotic themed, all themed based on what we talk about on the show in the alwaysright.us store. So gear up. There's a button that says gear up there. Get your uh, patriotic gear at alwaysright.us. Check out the store there and uh, pick your favorite T-shirt. They make great gifts, obviously, and they're literally there for everybody from small through 6X. Yeah, big boys. Yeah, we got you covered uh, at alwaysright.us. So pick up your shirt. Jan is in Greater Cleveland next. Hi, Jan. Go ahead. Oh, hi. I just have a very brief comment. Okay. Uh, Joe Biden got really tough. He got really tough with Putin. And I think, uh, you know, what he said is, I'm sick of this. Don't you think that? <laughs> I think that made the demonic possessed Putin smile. Don't you? Well, I don't think he was talking about Putin. I think he was talking about us criticizing him. He's sick of us. He's sick of this oh. stuff. Here, hold on a second. Eh? I'm oh, sick of this well, stuff. I, I don't know. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is going. Uh, Jan, uh, Jan, Jan you can't hear. You can't hear that, can you? Because <laughs> you kept right on talking as I was playing Joe Biden there. Uh, I was playing oh. his comment that you just mentioned where he said he's oh. sick of this stuff. He's talking about the criticism that he gets for the inflation here uh, in you know what's going on in this oh, country. Oh, yeah, because uh, in January, uh, uh, Putin went into uh, Ukraine. Yeah, right? In he, January. He, he, yeah, yeah, he got he got that right too. Okay, uh okay. I it just just when he gets tough it's kind of amusing. <laughs> it is that. Thank you Thank for the you. call. It it is important to hit that part there. Let me just just to follow up on that cuz I don't have a ton of time to get into new things anyway. Just to follow up on that. This is the part I brought it up to Kersenow. I didn't really bring it up to callers though. And so let me just point out the insanity of this it's putin's fault defense that joe biden has decided to go with um you know to respond to the critics of inflation and and high gas prices so just listen to the insanity the second big reason for inflation is vladimir putin 
From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border. Wait for it. Come on. But the world took notice. And those of you who work in the business know that... I'm sorry, we missed that part. we got to hit that again. I'm going to replay the clip here for you. The market anticipated. No, the whole thing. The second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, the price of gasoline in January went up 75 cents. Okay, that was the part I wanted to bring up. The boots... The Russian boots first hit the ground on Ukrainian soil on February 24th. Today is March 15th, so it's about a little less than a month. Uh, it's about three and a half weeks since since this whole thing started. He literally just said that the price of gas went up 75 cents in January. So, number one, if it did go up 75 cents in January, pre-Putin invasion, that means it's all on him. So that's number one. That's option number one for Joe Biden. You can say it's all yours because you can't blame Putin for it if you really believe the prices went up in January. But if you don't believe the prices went up 75 cents in January, then and you realize they actually went up 75 cents since Putin invaded, then you just don't know what the living hell you're talking about. So which way do you want it to be? You either admit that the price hike was your responsibility, or you admit you don't know when anything happened because you are losing your ever-loving mind. And you're incompetent for this position. It's one or the other. There's no third option here. The reality is, even if we grant you that it went up 75 cents since Putin invaded on uh, uh, February 24th, fine. But it is up $2.40 since you took office. So if you want to blame 75 cents of that hike on Putin, go ahead. We might even give it to you. We might even say, ah, all right, 75 cents worth, sure. That has to do with Putin destabilizing the international oil market through this invasion. But you better doggone well own the first dollar, 75, two dollars, whatever it is of that. Because it started going up the minute you signed the executive order killing the Keystone Pipes, uh, uh, XL pipeline, uh, uh, Construction. The moment you sign the order revoking leases for fracking on federal land. The moment you sign an end to the Anwar drilling. We are a nation floating on oil. You understand that? We have a 300-year supply of oil beneath us, and more is seeping up through the ocean floor as we speak. And you're choosing not to access it because of your green weenies, the gang green people that you are following. Your policies gave us that $2 increase. If you want to throw the last 75 cents and what happens in the future now uh, at Putin, go ahead to a point, but only to a point, because you must know, you must be told that it can be remedied to a degree if you maximize energy production in the United States right now. So part of this will be Putin, but the majority of this will be on you. Make no mistake, we are not that stupid. All right, that's all the time that we've got. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. We're going to give the last portion of our third hour to Bill O'Reilly so we can bring you that uh, each and every day. We'll do that. Thanks to David Camioner. Thanks to Peter Kersenow. Thanks to Marcy and Johnny on our staff. And thanks to you for listening. Be well, be safe tonight, and always remember, let's go, Brandon. Enjoy the silence.